Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good afternoon, everybody. 3.34. I wasn't sure if that's that afternoon still. I think four o'clock is the, the evening cutoff. Either way, welcome to Extra Time with me, Liam Horobin, presented by Betway 19 Plus. Please bet responsibly, Ontario only. Again, 19 Plus. Please bet responsibly. Maybe you were, maybe you've been betting on this gold cup that Canada have been failing in very hard. 2 2 draw against. Guadapala, I believe is how you say it, which I know is very rude of me not to know, but I quite frankly have just never heard of them before. So the fact Canada came out of that with a 2-2 draw is horrendous. And then to go and draw nil-nil against Guatemala as well. It's been a uh, a disastrous Gold Cup for Canada. And you know what? It's been kind of disastrous since the World Cup qualifier, I think it's fair to say, since Canada qualified for the World Cup against the USA. They have really not been the same team at all. It feels like They've really taken the foot off of gas here a little bit. They're not beating very good teams. Like the most notable team they've beaten is Japan in, in one of the warm up games. But you look at that Japanese team that played and they rested a lot of players. And of course, Japan went on to, to qualify for the knockouts of, of the World Cup, right? So it looks like a good win until you dig deeper and open up the pages a little bit. And it's just been bad. And now to, I know there's a lot of guys at this Gold Cup that usually won't play for Canada. Like, so right now, Canada has. No Alfonso Davies, no Jonathan David. Uh, I don't believe Buchanan's there. Estacchio. Essentially, like all the stars are not there for for whatever reason. They're resting players. And I just think that's really weird. Like the US is kind of done a little bit too. And I'm, maybe Mexico have to. I haven't looked into Mexico's squad too much. But you would never, ever get players resting at the Euros. You would never see Jude Bellingham take take it off because he wanted to rest and get ready for the season. And I don't know, maybe there's a rule or something I'm missing along the way, but it just seems odd. And I think Canada needs to take tournaments very seriously. They're in they're in an era where they can they can win these competitions if they really put it to them. And it's just not been very good at all for Canadian football. There's obviously these rules, these uh, sorry, not rules, uh, rumors coming out now that Canadian soccer is bankrupt at like the best time when it's ever been a host in a world cup in, in three years. And here we are talking about how Canada soccer has, has no money. It's crazy. Obviously the women are playing in the world cup this summer as well. So it's just been, what well, should be such a hopeful time for Canadian soccer, at both men and women is 
has been quite frankly dismal. It has been it has not been good since the World Cup. I think Canada's performance against the USA in the Nations League final was not even close to where it should be at. Canada should be able to beat the US on a fairly regular basis. I think Canada has a lot better players than what the US has to offer. Obviously, the US is good with Pulisic and and uh, Reina, and now they got Florian Balogun too. And like, I get it; those guys are all really good players. But Canada has. Alfonso Davies, who's one of the best left backs in the world, if not the best left back in the world. Jonathan David is another one who who is one of the best goal scorers in league earn every year. Kyle Lahren had a very good year in La Liga as well. Tejon Buchanan, Astakio, Champions League players. And it's just disappointing, to be honest. I don't even really want to watch him that much. I don't even know when the next game is. I know if they if they don't win, they're out of the gold cup, which is crazy crazy to think of because Canada again should be winning it and again they haven't taken a good team to this tournament but they also the news that came out today that uh Borgian Milan Borgian the goalie who is also the captain for Canada this tournament is is now done maybe it's for one game maybe it's for the entire tournament depending on how long Canada lasts but yes Canada need one more win I believe they play Cuba which comes up on Tuesday they don't win Canada's out. Luckily for them, Guadalupe, I believe it is, and Guatemala, they play against each other as well. 4.30 Mountain Time tomorrow. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But if Canada, they still have the opportunity to finish first in the group. I mean, they haven't lost a game, but the problem is they're not winning games and they should be, they just should be better than what they're, they're showing. I guess to go over the other, the other groups in this, the US have topped their group and have qualified for the next round in group A and with two wins and a draw. Jamaica has the same record as them in second, USA going through on goal differential, Trinidad and Tobago, the third team there and St. Kitts. Coming in last in that group. 0-3, didn't score a goal, allowed 14. Group B, the group of death, if you want to call it that in the, in the Gold Cup, if they have those. It's Mexico finished in first. Qatar, who uh, I believe some invited teams always get into this tournament. Um, Qatar's in second. Did anybody, did you see the, the result they had yesterday? They beat Mexico 1-0. They had 23% possession. Mexico had... Numerous amount of shots. Qatar had won, got it on target, and won the game. That is just football, baby. You just need one. Doesn't matter if you have 20. If none of them go in, who cares? Honduras in third in that group. Haiti in fourth. It's a good group. That's actually a, it's a tough group. Panama. Martinique. One and two in, in group C. They have a uh, one more game to go, these teams. Costa Rica and El Salvador. It'd be a shock if Costa Rica was not to qualify for this next round here of the last 16, I believe it is. Group D, like I said, that's Canada's group. So we'll see. We'll see. This is not whole, all hope isn't lost for Canada, but it just it's disappointing. It's disappointing the high of qualifying for the World Cup and how well they did in the in the Octagono. And, you know, being in Edmonton, we saw them beat up on Mexico and Costa Rica in like minus 30 weather. And it just just felt good. It felt very good. It felt spirits were high. And this last few months since the World Cup, honestly, it's been it's been tough. And it was fantastic to see them at the World Cup. But I just they haven't felt like they've been the same since that Belgian game. I don't know if Canada's hit that high since. And they didn't even win that Belgium game. 
it's disappointing. I mean, at first when this tournament started and I saw the squad, one, I was disappointed because like I said, a lot of the stars aren't coming, but at two, I was like, all right, this is a chance for Canada to to help that depth a little bit. A guy like Liam Miller, I think actually looks very top promising in this one. He he's, looks like he has a, a good Canadian career ahead of him. I believe he's in the Swiss league at the moment, but someone's got to step up for Canada. I don't know who it is. I don't know who I want it to be. They just need someone and they need to, they need to come together quickly because if they have the Copa America next summer, then maybe that's why all these players are resting. I don't know. It's kind of stupid. So let's just figure that out. Go from there and move on. I didn't even want to start on Canada. That was all off the top of my head. I just said it and then had some emotions come out. Emotions. But either way, there you go. Canada got to pick it up. Happy Canada Day, everybody, too, if you're listening in, in Canada. Obviously, July 1st is a is a special day for this country. And as someone who's an immigrant to this country, I'm, uh, Canada Day is a very fun day to be a part of. I went to the Edmonton Riverhawks baseball game with a lot of people from work, which is fantastic. Went out afterwards and uh, good vibes only on Canada Day. It's too bad it just rained the whole weekend, but we've had a lot of good weather recently, so we shouldn't let one weekend kind of get away from all of that. But yeah, Canada Day. What a time to be alive. But today I wanted to kind of, I wanted to do this thing. And now I'm not sure if I'm going to do all 20 or if I'll do a... 10 this week, 10 the next week. We'll kind of see. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. But my plan is I want to give 20 early predictions to the Premier League season. So obviously a lot's can change between now and when the season starts. I believe it's August 15th. Here's a little story for you. I go to England in a couple of weeks here. We go to England, we go to Paris, and we get to see Bolton versus Everton. I think I brought that up last week. But I was hoping that I could sneak in some, uh, some Premier League action while I was there. Turns out it starts the day I leave. Damn it. Should have really planned it. But either way, <laughs> we'll move on from that and we'll see. But but there you go. Disappointing. Disappointing. But that's okay. So, yes, I want to do 20 predictions for each team in the Premier League. Some of them, I'll be honest, aren't extravagant by any means. And I didn't really want these to be like out there, bold, bold predictions. I just wanted to kind of give some thoughts on what I've seen so far coming through transfers and just looking at different teams and, and trying to 
honestly study the Premier League a little bit more and how trends have kind of happened. So that's something I want to get across today. And we'll start off with Arsenal. I said this on the show the other week, the Kai Havertz, not trade, sorry. It's my hockey brain coming out. The Kai Havertz sign-in is official. He is now a gunner from the Blues on Chelsea. Surprising, Chelsea are just absolute fire sale at the moment. Mason Mount gone, Havertz, uh, Pulisic looks like he might go to League Un with Leon, which would be a fantastic sign for them. Obviously, Koulibaly, Mendy, uh, Hakim Ziyech, and Conte all gone to the Saudi Arabian League. There's still discussions on Callum Hudson-Odoi being gone to. His future's a bit uncertain. I'm sure these players are now I've missed, to be honest. It feels like every time, like last summer was, let's sign all these players. And now this summer it's like, oh, no, no we got to sell them all because now we're on our fourth manager in the last last year. Not even 12 months. Kind of wild. So my prediction for Arsenal is that Kai Havertz hits double digits for the first time in the Premier League. Now, the reason I think Kai Havertz is going to have the ability to do this is, one, Arsenal are going to be, a, they're a much better team. They're in, they're well-fueled. They, they're bringing back a lot of similar players and also signing some very good players. Obviously, the Declan Rice thing looks looks to be promising as well. I think Havis is going to fit in much nicer into this Chelsea team, playing a little bit of a deeper role in actually in the midfield and then progressing forward from there rather than being the lone striker on this team. And last time he was in that spot at Leverkusen when he really thrived in a position where he had the wingers out wide two good strikers and it worked out. He scored 20 goals that season in the Bundesliga. And again, he's only like 24, 25, whatever he is. He's got a lot of potential still. And I think this is a time for Havertz to, to really show off what he can get. I think, again, this might be one of the best signings of the summer. I don't really love the price tag, but either way, you got a good player. And that's one thing that I like that of Arsenal have done these last few seasons. Obviously, they're signing players outside of the Premier League too, but they're bringing guys in who are experienced with the league. Like Gabriel Jesus was a good signing last summer. Zinchenko as well. Declan Rice seems to be in the works and, and, and coming on nicely there. And then now Kai Havertz. I just think it's good to have that familiarity of being in the Premier League rather than just signing 20 different players and hoping it all gels you know what the Premier League is all about you don't really have to wait for anybody to adjust so that's why I think Kai Havertz will hit double digits my max will be I think he can get 15 I think he's likely in the 10 12 range again he's scored seven eight goals at best in the Premier League so I think this is a this is a good range for him I think we'll really see the best of Kai Havertz and, and quite frankly I'm excited when Kai Havertz came to the Premier League from Bayer Leverkusen he was a player I think everyone was really thrilled to be able to watch on a Saturday afternoon, wherever you may be in the world. And him, Timo Werner, both coming over from Germany, neither of them have really hit home runs. Havertz obviously is surviving in the Premier League still. Got a big move, but that's my prediction for Arsenal. Kai Havertz to hit 10 plus goals next season. I'm going to predict around 12. Let me know if you have a prediction on that one too. The second one. Aston Villa, second season under Unai Emery, first full season of, under Unai Emery, Europa League for them next season. I think Aston Villa can continue to progress and they will get Europa League football next season. I'm going to predict they finish sixth in the Premier League. Look, the this squad they have is very, very good. I, I said this at the start of last season, even when Steven Gerrard was in there, who's now a manager in Saudi Arabia after saying he would never do it. So that's a story for another day, but... 
It's a very good squad. Striker Ollie Watkins is great. You have guys like Douglas Louise, Jacob Ramsey in the midfield on wings, wherever you want to put him. Honestly, Tyrone Mings has turned his career around a little bit too in the last 12 months or so. Martinez in goal, a World Cup winner. Now you're adding Paul Torres in there as well. Diego Carlos has got to come back from injury and get himself into the squad. Matty Cash is a very good player. I'm, there's a lot of players I kind of miss, to be honest. And I just think this team is going to be way, way better again than people have maybe given them credit for. Like We're looking at Tottenham and everyone's saying, oh, Tottenham are going to finish fourth and Liverpool are now going to go on this rise. And don't worry about Chelsea. They'll get up there. But it's like, well, what about the teams who were very good last season as well and can take that step? Obviously, something they've got to think about is the squad depth, you know. Now that they're in the Europa Europa League football, uh, European football, sorry, they got to pick it up. So I, I think they'll get a they'll, they'll get a top six finish and uh, get European football for back to back seasons. I'm excited for them. Top, uh, sorry, Aston Villa are a uh, they're a good squad. I, I like what they've done so far this summer. I like the squad they have in general. Aston Villa is a massive, massive club, and it's good to kind of see them back at the top, to be honest. This will be the first time, I believe, since the Martin O'Neill days that they've had back-to-back European football seasons. The biggest thing is they've got to be find a way to balance the squad between European football and Premier League football and not do what West Ham did last season. The good news is they have a very, very experienced manager in Emery, who has won multiple UEFA Cups, Europa Leagues, whatever you want to call them. So I think he's going to do well, and I think he knows the pieces he needs to add to make the squad better and not overwhelm it all. So there you go. Villa top six finish European football again. Bournemouth, new manager, of course. Gary O'Neill no longer there. I know people didn't like the feeling of that one, but I think it makes a lot of sense. The, the gentleman they brought in, an experienced manager, good tactically from the stuff I've been reading about him. I'll admit, I don't know him very well as a manager, but... If you're going to make a decision like that, you got to bring in someone good. And I think Gary O'Neill, to give him a lot of credit, he did a hell of a job with Bournemouth last season. This is probably a very good move. Sometimes clubs, not just in football and other sports too, don't want to make tough decisions because of the repercussions of it. But this was, I, th- I think in the moment I was like, whoa, this seems unfair. He kept you up. Like, what did you expect? It's like, well, Bournemouth don't want to just be in that spot every single season where they're just scraping to survive in the Premier League. They want to make progression and maybe see if they can do what Brighton did this season and get some European football. Granted, they're a few years away from that. But I think if they can finish even mid-table this season, they're going to be very, very excited about that. And I think that's what they'll do. But I do think it's just going to be a very bland uh, recipe of football. They just got Cliver, but... I don't know. Just Bournemouth doesn't seem very exciting to me. I don't think they'll be in a relegation battle. I don't think they'll be in a European football battle. My prediction is Bournemouth is just going to be Crystal Palace and just linger in the middle of the table all season and kind of just be there. And then you're like, oh yeah, Bournemouth's in the Premier League as well. Just kind of irrelevant to the league, but not in a bad way, not in a good way. Just They're just going to be there. They'll probably finish like 13th. Sorry, Bournemouth fans. I just don't have a lot of faith in, in this season that's upcoming. We'll see. Maybe things keep progressing positively. Clive, it's a good sign, and I, I do like that one just to bring a little bit of flair to your club. We'll see. I hope Bournemouth continues to progress, but I think even a 13th place finish, they'll be very happy with. Brentford. Now, Brentford are a uh, 
they're in an interesting spot, aren't they? Obviously, Ivan Tony not being there till January something, it kind of saves them the hassle of trying to sell him this summer. But without his goals, like what are they really going to be? And I don't think Brentford will do as well as they did last season where they, they pushed for European football all the way till the end, did double over Man City. It's just going to be very, very difficult for them to do that again. I do like some of the players they have in the squad, but there's one player in particular that I want to I want to look at and give my prediction of what he will be for next season. And that player is Mikhail Damsgaard. Now, obviously, England fans may know Damsgaard as the, as a fellow who scored that free kick against England at Euro 2020 at Wembley, giving Denmark the 1-0 lead. I believe that was the first time in the entire competition that England had been had trailed in a game and it was a hell of a free kick. And if you're going to go out like that, that's the way to do it. He was phenomenal in that entire European competition. Would have been 21, 20 at the time, playing in Syria. Sky was the limit for that kid and it just really hasn't worked out too well. I know he's had some kind of lingering injuries that have plagued him a lot. But my money is that this season he takes the next step. My money is that he'll score a goal this season, which will be big for him. Played in 26 games for them last season, started in nine. I think Brentford is going to need more attacking flair. I think he can bring that from the midfield or on the wing, kind of depending on where they play him. But he's had a year now to to mould his game to the Premier League. Thomas Frank's a fantastic, fantastic manager. I think they're going to find the best out of Damsgaard this season. And then we'll finally see what we saw at Euro 2020, where this guy was kind of lining it up and he was very exciting to watch. So my prediction for Brentford is, number one, they won't do as well as next season. I think they're probably a 10th, 11th place team. But Damsgaard steps up has a very good season for them. Ivan Tony will come back second half of the season. Who knows? Maybe they have that Tony Ericsson connection. Namsgaard's not Ericsson, but they're Danish, so it makes sense. <laughs> there you go. Uh, next one, Brian. Now, Brian, I think, were a team this season with... Uh, everyone was kind of on their side, weren't they? they they're very likable players. Graham Potter at the start of the season was very likable manager under them. He goes to Chelsea. Deserve comes in. McAllister starts going off. Caicedo, they have all these guys. Evan Ferguson bursts onto the scene later in the season. Now they're in Europe. Fantastic accomplishment for that club. I think that they might be the West Ham of this past season where the squad depth just really isn't there. I guess you could say, obviously, losing McAllister is not helpful by any means when you lose a World Cup winner. And he was just fantastic in general for them, wasn't he? So my prediction is that Brighton, although I do like some of the signings they've had, like bringing in a player like James Milner, who has been part of these great teams, not only at Liverpool City before that too, and even Villa. When he was at Villa, they were playing in European football. So I like that signing. I like the gentleman they got from Dortmund as well. But I'm going to go out and just say that I don't think they'll get European football again next season. I think maybe they focus a little bit on having success in Europe and maybe trying to qualify for the next season through that. But in the Premier League, I think they'll miss out. I could not too far, maybe like just eighth, ninth, but I could see them just having a bit of a drop off. It is tough. The Premier League's tough when you lose those players. And then you've also played European football. It's not easy to repeat the success that you had, especially when you're a club like Brighton, who I think 
you know, as, as a Bolton Wanderers fan, they're very similar in the sense you're like, you're just happy to be surviving every season. And Brian, of course, making big steps, but they just can't, can't overwhelm the situation. Similar to what we just spoke about with Aston Villa, you've got to be careful with it all. Deserve a, obviously a very good manager, but I think they'll just put all their eggs into the uh, European football basket, fail a little bit in the Premier League, but then maybe they can get the European football back by winning the competition, which would be a special, special thing for the uh, the Seagulls. So what have we got here? We've done Arsenal, Havertz, Villa top six, Bournemouth kind of being irrelevant to the league and not a good or a bad way. Uh, Brentford, Damsgaard, Brighton with no European football. Newly promoted team. The first one we'll talk about. Burnley. They're back. Burnley is back. Turf Moor is back to being a Premier League football stadium again because Vincent Company did a fantastic job. And I think he'll do a really good job next season too. There's actually one thing I wanted to discuss quickly is they've now, I believe, officially or rumored to be making a bid for James Trafford at 19 million. Now you'll remember from last week when I said James Trafford, I think he'll be England's number one goalie in the future. He is not allowed a goal yet at the Euros for the under 21s. He has been unbelievable, made like three or four world-class saves. Now Burnley is going to try and get him for under 20 million. And if they get him, Boy, oh boy, that guy is he is going to be a player. There'll be a buyback fee for City because that's what City do. It's incredibly smart of them to do that, I think. And they did it with uh, Lavia as well. He went to Southampton. We'll kind of see what happens with him too this summer. But I wrote on this prediction before they got potentially James Trafford. But I think Burnley is going to be the Fulham of this season in the sense of like they're going to come up. They're going to have a lot of momentum. Vincent Company has done a great job. They, they place somewhat of a Premier League style already with the way they, they keep possession and, and score goals. So I think Burnley will push for European football the majority of the way this season. I, I don't think they'll get it. I think they're likely to finish 10th, 8 to 11, somewhere in that range. I'll, I'll put them in 10th. And I think it'll be an unreal season for them. And then we'll kind of see how they progress from there. But the first season, I think they're going to come out. Guns are blazing and yeah, it's just kind of my prediction. They have a tough start to the season with Man City at home, but you never know if you can get a win against City on the first day of the season. Now that's, that's a good way to start. Then they have Luton away, Villa at home, Tottenham at home, Nottingham Forest away, United at home. Four out of your first seven games at home to start the season. I really think they can kick on from there and push and and have a very, very positive season. Miss out on European football, but avoid relegation, which will be the goal for them all season. But I think they'll exceed a lot of expectations from, from pundits and themselves. Chelsea. Chelsea, Chelsea. Well... Was there anyone who failed more in the Premier League last season other than the three teams that got relegated than Chelsea? Nope. 12th in the Premier League, 44 points. That means if they wanted to make Europe, they would have to make up, what is that? A quick math, 27-point gap. Hypothetically, if it's the same, last season, Newcastle had 71 points in fourth. I don't think it's doable. I really don't think it's doable. I think Chelsea are going to... Pochettino, obviously, is the manager there now. I think Chelsea are going to struggle again because of the the change that they've had again this summer. A lot of faces out. 
a lot of faces in, I guess. I know January, they were busy. So that's kind of building up to what the squad is going to be. But my prediction is Chelsea don't get European football again. I think they're still another season away from having success. I just, I've seen these predictions and it's like, oh, Chelsea, Chelsea finishing third this season. Chelsea going to push City. And it's like, how? How are they going to make a 27 point gap up from last season? That is it would have to be a remarkable season and Pochettino is a fantastic manager and Chelsea have a lot of good players, but I just don't see it. I think a lot of other teams had very positive seasons and I don't think it's fair just to underestimate what they accomplished. And for me, I just don't think Chelsea will get European football. So yeah, though, again, they'll be one of those teams battling for it, but I think they'll miss out at best. I'll give them at best. They can get sixth. I think as high as Chelsea would finish would be sixth. But my prediction right now is that they just miss out on European football completely. Maybe that's harsh. I don't know. Let me know what you think. I just I just hate it when it's like this. Oh, the Chelsea, they'll bounce back. Like, well, why? Why Why? Why would they? I, I don't know. There was no signs last season that proved to me that Chelsea are a good football team at the moment. Crystal Palace. Said this one the other week. I think Crystal Palace will get relegated if transfers don't go their way. If Ezzy goes, Elise goes, Mark Gaye goes. Rumors have kind of died down a little bit, but it is only July 3rd. So we'll kind of see how that continues to progress. But if you want to hear more on that, go back. I think it was two episodes. I gave some predictions on that. So yeah, I think Chelsea, uh, Crystal Palace, sorry. Transfer don't go their way. They'll go down if they... <laughs> I mean, what are Crystal Palace? They should be they should be up there with Brighton and, and Brentford pushing for European football, but they're just not. Roy Hodgson's back this season. Good manager, obviously, but I don't know. I just don't see it. I don't see the excitement around Crystal Palace as I should because of the talent they actually have, but it's not for me. Not for me, Crystal Palace fans. I'm sorry. I wish you well. Also, just be a bit more exciting. Everton, this is a positive one. I think Everton will survive before the last day of the season next season, next year. Back-to-back years, the last game of the season, they have had to do something to keep them up. This year, I think they'll be better. I don't. Th- I think they'll be in the relegation battle, but they'll be one of those teams like, they're in the battle, but really, are they in the, in the relegation battle? I think Everton will be that kind of club there where it's like 14th, 15th for them. Sean Dyche, good manager. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, they need him to stay healthy so bad. Maybe that's just wishful thinking that he'll be able to stay healthy. But either way, Calvert-Lewin needs to stay fit. Everton will stay up this season, make slight progression. But my prediction is they will not finish in a relegation battle on the last day of the season. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The final one. Fulham. Mitrovic bangs home 20. That's my big prediction. He probably would have done it this season if he didn't get that A-game suspension, which he rightfully deserved, and I'm glad this is getting cracked down on. I know people are critical of it, but you have to, you got to get down on this, and I, I know there's other things in, within the league that need to get cracked down on as well, but abuse towards officials is not okay. The Jose Mourinho thing was not okay. What happened to Andrew Taylor in the, in the airport was not okay. These guys make decisions that are incorrect sometimes, and it's they need to be better. I'm not I'm not defending them that much, but I'm defending the, the health and the safety. So Mitrovic, you got to be a better example to people, which that eight game suspension would probably tell you. 
but I'm going to guess he scores 20 goals this season. He had 14 in 24 games last year. I think the key for him is he just needs to get off to a good start to the season. Once you can get that good start to the season and away you go. He did that last season and he got a goal on the opening day against Liverpool and he just kind of kept his momentum going. So I think Fulham, I think they'll just be a mid-table team again. Don't get suspended for eight games and you should be okay. There you go. There's 10 predictions for you. I, um, I'll come back later in the week and do the other 10. It's been a bit scrambly this week because, as I'm sure many of you know, I work for Oilers Nation as well, and it's been free agency. Um, the draft, my co-host on our live show every day is uh, Tyler Remchuk, and he was in Nashville, so just pulling a little bit of a double duty whilst he was down there working his tail off. So, yeah, bit of a busy one. Let's see what's happening over on Betway, see if we can get a bet in for tomorrow's CONCACAF match for Canada. Canada, heavy favorites. Should they be? I'm not sure. But if you put five bucks down on them to score the first goal, it's probably not worth it. So I'll go with Canada to, to win, but both teams to score. If you've put $5 down, you can win $13.50 over on Betway. But please be 19 plus and bet responsibly. There you go. I'm going to start putting some questions out in our Discord, which you, I believe you can find somewhere. I don't know, actually. It's, uh, it's called the 90th Minute Discord if you wanted to join that and jump in and put some questions in there. Try and get some more interactions on the show. But of course, as always, you can find me on Instagram at Liam Pods, on Twitter at Liam Horobin, at YouTube is all the is a 90th Minute. You can find me on there. Same with TikTok, the 90th Minute, and Twitter, 90th Minute. There you go. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I always appreciate the support when you uh, when you put me in your ears for 30 minutes once a week. But it'll be twice a week this week. I promise I'll be back on Wednesday because i got to get back into the swing of things here now that hockey's done. A lot more content from me, I would assume. And there you go. A couple of weeks, I'll be away. So Brett will be taking over. But there you have it. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good week. Stay safe. Farewell. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.